For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson. And off we go again with a readout from our Wednesday Wake Up newsletter. Reminding people that if we're going to treat man-made climate change seriously as a scientific issue, we need some clarity and consistency about when exactly its effects became serious. If we don't know what the evidence is even meant to be, we certainly can't tell if it's any good. And that's why in this week's newsletter, we also point out that it's very hard to make sense of the supposed science behind climate change if everything bad is blamed on it, as it so often is. I don't just mean storms and stuff. I mean the death of elephants in Botswana from natural toxins. And at the same time, if something good happens, like a bumper crop in New South Wales, Australia, that climate change was meant to doom to permanent drought, they say, well, that's just weather. Now, speaking of science, in the newsletter, we also ridicule the activist who said that thanks to the wildfires, Californians saw what it was like to, quote, live on Mars for a day, end quote. Right, Mars, the famous planet with no fires at all, and according to NASA, an average surface temperature of minus 81 degrees Fahrenheit versus Earth's balmy 57 degrees. By, for non-Americans, that's minus 63 and 14. But again, when it comes to climate change, the facts shift around in a bewildering manner. This week we also talk about a dog that didn't bark. Specifically, we were told that the throne speech to launch a new session of Canada's parliament would be all about this big old green recovery from the pandemic lockdown. And then, as Dan McTeague of Canadians for Affordable Energy noted, quote, the slogan green recovery was completely absent. Didn't hear it, not even once, end quote which one is permitted to think was because the focus groups didn't like it. So, is their commitment to transform our economy into Greta Thunberg's playground only pole deep? McTeague thinks not. He says the plan hasn't changed, only the marketing. Quote, this green agenda is hidden behind great sounding ideas like energy efficiency retrofits and clean tech support that will supposedly generate one million jobs. This, he notes, is even more ambitious than the 50,000 green jobs Dalton McGuinty, Kathleen Wynne, and Jerry Butts promised with the spectacular failure known as the Ontario Green Energy Act, end quote. That is not an attractive precedent, is it? Now, in some sense, assuming McTeague is right, and we think he is, the people running our country do get points for consistency. They really believe CO2 is destroying the planet? And in consequence, they are really going to act as though they believed CO2 was destroying the planet. Certainly the throne speech didn't mention the oil and gas industry either. And if it had, it would have been the way the anteater in that old series, The Ant and the Aardvark said, Hey Ant, I want to talk to you about your future. But at the same time that they get points for consistency, they lose at least as many for hypocrisy. Because the great and the good, including Prince Charles and any number of celebrities who aren't climate scientists, really are planning a great reset, not as some plot, but because they all believe in it and they don't know and don't want to know anyone who doesn't. But they do know Justin Trudeau and they know he's on board. And that means there's more than a whiff of shabby hypocrisy in leaving the green reboot out of the throne speech, especially given all the other things he's done to reduce parliament to a puzzling historical relic and how badly such sweeping green plans have worked elsewhere, from Germany to California. And speaking of that, in California, they do seem to be, seem to be going all in on a green transformation, even as their energy system uh, collapses. 
Governor Gavin Newsom, really did just ban cars as we know them as of 2035. And remarkably, even in the land of the free, he was able to undertake this massive intervention in the affairs of citizens, this massive deprivation of their rights, without the tedious hassle of passing a law. He just did it by executive order, leaving the ghosts of King John, Richard II, Henry VIII, and Charles I gaping with envy, even as he flattered voters about the clean cars they, quote, deserve, end quote, while in fact, he was taking away their ability to get the car they want. Or very possibly any fuel at all, because if Californians do all buy electric cars, there's no way the grid can charge them. Let's not go there. Or to communist China, we say. Though there we seem to have some surprising opposition. There are people from Climate Home News to Jerry Butts who think that a few empty words about carbon neutrality from dictator Xi Jinping at the UN is, in Climate Home News' words, huge, massive, it rekindles hope, end quote. Actually, as the National Post reports, quote, the Canadian embassy in Beijing is having trouble with staffing because the air quality is so bad, end quote. You can barely see two blocks on a winter day because of all the coal they're burning. And plenty of other commentators said, hey, China is eyeing Taiwan hungrily, distracting us with platitudes, and trying to get us to cripple our economies with real anti-fossil fuel measures, and thus undermine our strategic power in return for nothing from China. And it's curious, you know, superficially one's view of climate change ought to be independent of one's view of Karl Marx. But for some reason, credulity about the latter and about the former seem to travel together. Along with credulity about hydrogen as the fuel of the future, which it has been since, I think, about 1836. But as we note, David Archibald did the math, and it doesn't look good. Hydrogen just gives you too little energy per liter, it takes too much energy to liquefy it, and in other ways, the physics of hydrogen just aren't favorable. Now look, we know, predictions that something will never work have often been wrong, though don't forget they've also often been right. But if hydrogen energy can work, some entrepreneur will make it work and they'll get rich. And if it can't work, don't let some government subsidize it and make a huckster rich at public expense. In the newsletter we also note that many alarmist scenarios about climate change rely on the unchecked population growth we were threatened with in that 1970s eco-scare that went from population bomb to prediction bust. It didn't happen and it's not happening, so revise the estimates, folks. Finally, as part of our ongoing collaboration with CO2Science.org, we note two studies that seem to refute popular alarmist tropes. One of them shows that a reef in Brazil suffered serious bleaching due to high temperatures, but only 2% of the coral, quote, showed partial or total mortality, end quote, and those were only in shallow water. And another study showed that a mild decrease in ocean pH, also known as the dreaded acidification, actually improved the health of the fleshy brown algae Sargassum vulgara, which sounds kind of disgusting, but evidently seaweed's very popular globally as food and in medicine. And gosh, turns out CO2 is good for plants in the water, as it is for plants in the air. Who knew? Okay, we did. So, if you like what you see, share it, subscribe to it, and support it. For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson.